We'll be in Romans chapter 1 this morning. Romans chapter 1. Just a reminder, if you'd like to sign up for a music special, uh, their sign-up is on the bulletin board in the back in the fellowship hall there. And uh, if you sign up, the only thing we ask is that you, you put in your uh, what you're planning on singing or playing or whatever so we can get it, just make sure that we get it approved. And, uh, but feel free to do that anytime. We have plenty of space available for you to sign up and uh, get a special, special signed up for Romans chapter 1. Verse number 16 this morning, the Bible says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. This verse is a familiar verse. Many people have heard it before. It's something that is relatively common as far as if you if you grew up in church, you've heard it many times as well. But here the Apostle Paul is saying, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And there's a reason for it, because he says it is the power of God unto salvation. Why would I be ashamed of something that is so wonderful? This morning I'd like to do something. I like to do this every couple of years in the church, because I think it's important. We encourage you, we challenge you, the Bible tells us to share the gospel with other people. It is something that as a Christian we are commanded to do. The Great Commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It's something that we are uh, required of God to do. It's something that God commands for us to do, commissioned us to do. Yet sometimes, as, although we know we're supposed to do this, we're supposed to tell other people the gospel, many times in our own insecurities or in our lack of knowledge, we choose not to because... We say, well, I don't know how to. I don't know what I would say. I don't know uh, what verses to use. I don't know whatever it may be. So this morning, I'd like us to look at, at just the simple thought of how to lead someone to Christ, how to not be ashamed of the gospel, how to share the gospel, the wonderful good news that Jesus Christ gave his son, gave himself for us so that we could be saved. We're going to look at how to share the gospel, you know, there's not just one way to do that. There's not just one pattern. There's not just one script to follow when you're sharing the gospel. But this morning, I would like to encourage you to take notes. Um, I like to write in my Bible. Maybe you don't. I like to write in my Bible, and I have verses, beside a verse in my Bible, things written, and then even a reference and an arrow to tell me to go to the next verse, uh, to this verse, and things like that. Do it however you'd like to do it, but I encourage you to take notes today, mark some verses in your Bible uh, that can be a help to you as well. The Bible says in Romans 10:14, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? That word preacher is not a pastor, it is a proclaimer. It is someone to tell them. How can they hear if no one tells them? And how can we tell them if we don't know how to tell them? So this morning, we're going to take that excuse out of your back pocket and out of my back pocket as well and uh, make sure that we know how we can share the gospel with, with our neighbors, our coworkers, our friends, our family members, whatever it may be. And I pray it'll be a help to us this morning. Lord, I pray that you'd help us as we look at the wonderful uh, um, uh, part of scriptures that, that teach us about 
salvation and Lord how you loved us and how you sent your son for us and God we know that we are told to go and tell we know that you say that they cannot hear unless someone tells them so God I pray that today you'd help us to have a better grasp a better understanding a better knowledge of how to share with other people the good news of the gospel <clears throat> God I pray that you'd help me that I present this in a way that is clear in a way that is correct in a way that is helpful this morning and I pray it in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> the gospel is another term for good news, right? It is, it is good news. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. That's because it's good news. You're not ashamed of good news. You shouldn't be. Uh, you're not ashamed of good news. And so when you have good news, you like to tell other people the news. That's common. It's natural. It's good. We've got to tell someone else the good thing that happened. Um, there was the old days where they would stand in the streets. I don't, I don't know this for sure. I wasn't there. But the old days where they stand in the streets and they would say, extra, extra, read all about it. And they'd be selling the news because people wanted to see it. Nowadays, we just pull it up on our phone. Uh, we, you can see it wherever we look. It's there for us to find and whatever it may be. But the good news of the gospel is found in the scriptures. It's found in the Bible. And uh, so this morning, like I said, I kind of want to go through just a couple things with you. And uh, just to help us make sure we know how we can share the good news of the gospel with other people. <clears throat> to start off, again, there's not one way to do this, but, uh, but this is just the way that I do it, okay? And so you can, you can adapt it to yourself however you want to. This is the way that I do it. First is simply asking a question. Asking the question, uh, are you saved? Do you know for sure that if you were to die that you would go to heaven? When you ask it in a way that, that can only have a yes or no answer, it makes it a lot more simple. I've asked people before, do you know that you're going to heaven? And a lot of times the response comes back with, I hope so. I hope so. Well, that's not, that's not a great answer, right? <laughs> um, I, you don't want to hope that you're going to heaven. You want to know that you're going to heaven. First John is written, and, and one of the verses in First John tells us that we write this so that you can know. The, the idea of Scripture, the idea of, the Bible, the idea that, that God says, I have offered salvation, he does this so that you don't have to hope that you're saved, but that you can know that you're saved, that you can know that you're going to heaven. Anyone who says, well, I hope I'm going to heaven, doesn't know that they're going to heaven. I ask the question a very simple way. Do you know 100% for sure that if you were to die that you would go to heaven? Because I believe the Bible teaches us we can know 100% for sure that we're going to heaven. If you're 90% sure you're going to heaven, guess what? You don't know. If you're 50% sure, you obviously you don't know. If you're 99% sure, you don't know. Are you 100% sure? That's, it's, a, it's a hard answer. That's a hard question to answer. I hope so. It's pretty simple. Are you or are you not 100% sure that you're going to heaven if you were to die? Because the gospel, the salvation, guarantees us a hundred percent for sure that when we die we'll go to heaven and so if you've not yet received the gift well then you're not going to know for sure that you're going to heaven but if you have received the gift then you do know for sure that you're going to heaven now listen there are times in a Christian's life where they question it happens I believe to everyone maybe it hasn't happened to you I've yet to meet a, met a person that we've talked about it and there was it hasn't been a time in their life where they questioned and I always just bring you back to the Bible. We always go back to prayer and Scripture. And we seek out God and His help 
for understanding and what it may be. So I ask the question, first of all, do you know? Then, number two, I explain how. How can you know, how can I know 100% for sure that I'm going to heaven when I die? Well, the Bible teaches us. We're going to be in Romans most of the day. I like to keep things close together when I'm, when I'm doing this. And so Romans chapter 3, if you want to turn there, and the first verse you can mark if you'd like to, at Romans 3 verse 10. The Bible says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. In the same chapter, in verse number 23, is the second verse I go to, the Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The first thing we need to know is that we are a sinner. And any, any person without goofing around will admit to the fact they've sinned. It, it doesn't take much to sin, right? A lie, a bad attitude, a dirty look, a bad word, uh, whatever it may be, disobedience. We've all sinned, uh, and we've done it at the earliest of ages. <laughs> you see, we are all sinners. Here in verse 23, it says, For all of sin it comes short of the glory of God, meaning that because of my sin, I fall short of God. I cannot attain God because of my sin. One of the better examples I've heard of this is if you take someone to the Grand Canyon and you give them whatever possible, the best equipment there is when it comes to tennis shoes and you have them run and jump to try to leap over the Grand Canyon, every single person is going to fall short. You have a person who says, well, I can run faster and jump farther if I'm barefoot. Great, go for it. You're still going to fall short. Well, if I buy the most expensive shoes there are and they've got those little, uh, you know, the little pump things. I, don't, I think they're still making those where you pump up the little tongue, uh, you know, and, uh, and you jump with those. It doesn't matter. You're still going to fall short. You can't, you can't jump across the Grand Canyon on your own. You need an airplane or a glider of some sort. You can't do it on your own. The same is true when it comes to attaining heaven uh, you can't get there on your own. Because of sin, we all fall short. And guess what? We've all sinned. There's not a person on this earth who has it. Uh, when you're talking with kids, when I'm talking with kids, sometimes it's a surprise to hear the pastor sins. To my wife and kids, it's not a surprise. But to some, some kids, it is a surprise to find out that their pastor sins. The reality is, is every single person who's walked on the face of this earth with the exception of one, Jesus Christ, has sinned. And the Bible tells us so just as much. Then we need to know that because we sin, there is a consequence to the sin, a punishment. Look in Romans chapter 6. And again, in my Bible I write, I don't have it in this Bible, but in several Bibles I have it, next to Romans 3.23, I write the reference Romans 6.23, so I know that's where I'm going next. Romans 6.23 the Bible says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages, the payment, um, you know, the, 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 the wages for working a minimum wage job today is something. I honestly don't know what it is. Um, $8, $10, it's, they're saying it's going to go up, whatever. Uh, the wages, you, you get paid a certain amount for the time that you work, right? Uh, I hope you do. If you have a job and you're not getting paid, you're doing something wrong. Uh, so, uh, I go to work, I get paid. That's the wages. The payment for sin is a consequence. It's a punishment. Just like the wages for my children lying to me or their mother, there is a consequence. There is a punishment for it. Our sin 
brings upon us a consequence. The wages of sin is death. Death speaking of eternal separation from God and ultimately eternity in hell. There are two places, heaven and hell. There are literal places. There are places that you will go to one of them. You will go to when you die. Heaven or hell. The punishment for sin, the consequence for sin, the wage of sin is death ultimately in hell. But there is good news uh, with this bad news, and it's the rest of verse 23. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Salvation, uh, knowing 100% for sure that you're going to heaven, is a gift, and a gift is free. Um, I, I always emphasize this. Because if you grew up around religion, and it wasn't biblical religion, you're going to learn or you're going to hear that there are other things that you must do to be saved. Some religions say you've got to say this exact prayer so many times or so often. Some people say you have to love God, you have to um, ask God for salvation, and you have to be a good person. The Bible says it's not by works that we're saved but by God's grace and through faith that we're saved. So there's nothing that can be added to this. And we talked about this recently, but salvation being a gift, it's free, meaning it's yours for the taking. Meaning that if you want salvation, if you want to know 100% sure that you're going to heaven, all you have to do is receive the gift. The wages of sin is death, that's bad, in case you didn't know that. The gift of God is eternal life, that's good. And that's through Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ alone. You cannot pay for it. You cannot work for it. The gift has to be paid for, but not by you. It's paid for by Jesus Christ when he came to this earth and he died on the cross and he rose again from the grave. The gift has to be paid for. Everybody understands the idea of a gift. And when you're trying to share with someone about salvation, when you're trying to share with them the good news of the gospel, it's important that we make sure they understand that the gift is free for them it's been paid for already through the blood of jesus christ so many people like i said they grew up and they've heard different things and, and and religion can be so murky sometimes because religious people tend to tend to put in their own thoughts and they want you to be like them and they want you to act a certain way and listen god wants you to do right god wants you to live biblically but salvation is not something you have to pay for not something you have to work for. No matter how bad you've been, no matter how dirty your past is, God has already paid for it. You don't have to work for it. It's already there for you. It's available. Like I said, someone had to pay for it. I go back to Romans 5, verse number 8, where the Bible says, But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The gift of God that he gave us the free gift of salvation, how it was paid for is in Romans 5, 8. That God, because he loved us, even though we're sinners, he died for us. Most people, not all, but most people have heard about Jesus dying on the cross. Not everybody believes it. Some of them feel it's just a story. But most people have heard about Jesus dying on the cross. Do they understand why he died on the cross? That's what the gospel starts with, is God's love for you, that he sent Jesus, and that Jesus died on the cross. Knowing that you're 
a filthy sinner. Knowing that I'm a filthy sinner, Christ loved me and he gave himself for me. He died for me. John 3.16, it's a familiar passage. You can uh, write that in your notes if you want to. It's another verse that's easy to go to. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So we're talking about, right, Romans 6.23, eternal life, John 3.16, everlasting life, as opposed to death, eternity away from God, eternity in hell. It's at this point I begin to review with people to make sure that, that we're on the same page, that we're understanding what's happening. I start with, again, are you a sinner? It's a question that they have to answer. Has there ever been a time in your life that you've sinned? In most people's case, they'll say this morning, <laughs> because it's true. Have you ever sinned before? Have you ever told a lie? Have you ever disobeyed your parents? Have you ever driven over the speed limit? Have you ever... Have you ever... Uh, throwing a piece of trash out the window. Have you ever, whatever. We would all agree, I would think, I would hope, we're all sinners. In this room today, every single one of us has sinned. The next question I'm reviewing with the people is, uh, do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins? You can't accept the gift of salvation if you don't believe Jesus paid the price for you. You can't take someone else's gift. That's stealing. You can't take someone else's salvation. A child can't take his parents' salvation. It can't be passed down in a will. Salvation is a gift that God has offered to you. Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for your sins? Once someone admits that they're a sinner and once they believe that Jesus died for them, Then I go on to more of what the Bible says. Romans chapter 10. A few pages over, Romans chapter 10. The Bible says, starting in verse number 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That's what we're talking about, right? We use... We use the term saved because the Bible uses the term saved. But what are we saved from? We're saved from sin. We're saved from death. We're saved from hell. That's what we're being saved from, literally saved, pulled out of the lake of fire and saved to heaven, to God. And so the Bible says that if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, that Jesus died for you, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's not just a, uh, there, there is no magic prayer. We'll talk about that in a moment. There is no script that you have to say. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Let's keep reading. Verse 10. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. That's interesting. We'll come back to that in a minute. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. The same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God says it doesn't matter who it is. It doesn't matter what their past is. It doesn't matter what their race is. It doesn't matter what their background is. 
It doesn't matter what nationality they are. It doesn't matter what political views they have. It doesn't matter what lifestyle they've lived. Whosoever, that includes you and it includes me, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Are you a sinner? Yes. Do you believe that Jesus died for you? That's a question that only you can answer for yourself. The Bible says if you know you're a sinner and you believe that Jesus died for you, all you have to do is receive the gift. All you have to do is call upon the name of the Lord. It's a belief in a heart. The understanding that the grant, you're not going to understand everything about God. I was saved at the age of four. You think I knew everything about God at four years old? No, but you know what I did know? I was a sinner. And that I deserved hell. And that Jesus offered me salvation. The older I've gotten, the more I've come to appreciate exactly what that means. But at four, I understood enough to know that I deserved hell, but God offered me heaven. And I believed that Jesus died for me. And I called on him, and he saved me. There comes now this point in the conversation with someone where we're saying, okay, if you believe, you know you're a sinner, and you believe that Jesus died for you, and you understand now what it takes to receive the gift, that that's all you have to do. You can just say, okay, go for it. The problem is, is it's not a box wrapped in a, with a bow that you just hand to someone and they rip it open, right? How do we receive the gift? If you tell someone, especially someone who's never prayed before, just pray. They're going to go, what? Will you do it for me? <laughs> All of these things are things that I've heard. I can't pray for you to be saved. I can pray uh, for you that you will be saved. I can pray that God will, will break your heart, that God will uh, convict your heart of your need for salvation. I can do those things. But when it comes to you receiving the gift, it's something you have to do on your own. So I talk to them now about prayer. I explain what prayer is. Prayer is, in the simplest of terms, a conversation with God. It is literally just talking to God. Words, thoughts, going to God. The sad thing is, as many people, if you grow up uh, in religion, again, you may have heard you have to pray this. So thankful for growing up around preachers who were clear with the gospel. And one of the greatest illustrations I've heard about praying when it comes to salvation is someone drowning in the ocean. The lifeguard is sitting there on the beach and someone is drowning in the ocean. The lifeguard doesn't sit there waiting for a polished request to come save them. They don't expect the drowning swimmer to go, Oh, Mr. Lifeguard, sir, would you please be so kind as to get off of your perch and to swim out to me and give me a flotation device so that I may live. A drowning swimmer's request for, for salvation typically comes with a one-word request help or maybe sometimes sorry it's a bad joke when it comes to praying and asking God for salvation it doesn't have to be eloquent it doesn't have to use religious terminology 
it's simply a conversation with God. God, I know I'm a sinner. God, I believe Jesus died for me. God, I want to receive the gift of salvation. Help. Save me. It really is that simple. For the heart, man, believe it. The understanding, the knowledge, the, the, the realization, I'm a sinner and I need Jesus to save me, then a prayer asking God to do so. We use the word prayer, or we use the word prayer, but it's not, it's not complicated. Some people think, well, I've got to have certain, you know, God, God expects me to, to speak to him a certain way. God just wants you to speak to him. God just wants you to call on him. And you see, when you're explaining to someone how to pray, because it is nerve-wracking. Uh, when I sit with people and, and I'm going through the gospel with them and we come to this point, I ask them, I said, would you, would you, if you don't mind, I'd really like you to pray out loud. Because most people will say, well, I'm just going to pray to myself. Which is fine, they could be saved doing so. But I ask them to pray out loud. And usually I'll pray first. I'll thank God for, for having whoever it is that I'm sitting with come to this decision and this realization and I'll ask God to give them help. And then I'll let them pray. It, it's a, it gives them an example that prayer is just a conversation. That's why I do that. That's why I pray first. I say, I'm going to pray first, and then when I'm done, I'm going to say amen. When I say amen, then you go. And again, it's just, it's just, it's just giving them an example. It's, it's kind of breaking down the barriers, breaking down the walls a little bit. And I make my prayers very simple. I'm careful not to use religious terminology and things like that. I, because in most cases, not in every case, but in most cases, this person is new to prayer. And so it's, you know, I'm just trying to help them understand it really is simple. It's not complicated at all. And so I pray something to the effect of, Lord, thank you so much for having, insert name, uh, this person come today and understand their need for salvation. And, Lord, we're so thankful that today they're calling on you to be saved. Lord, help them and give them strength, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. And then I say, all right, go ahead. And usually it's broken. Usually it's nervous. Usually it's, um, you know, not super smooth. But then you listen as the person calls on the name of the Lord Jesus to be saved. From a child, as I had the privilege to hear Brett pray, to an adult. I got the privilege to hear Kim pray. Every single one is the sweetest thing in the world. But we've got to explain. We've got to help. We're just, we're just giving them the tools, right? We're giving them the, the knowledge. But it's a decision still that has to be made on the individual's uh, uh, purpose. I've heard people pray a prayer, and they, they say, repeat after me. And listen, and, and I've heard people do it the right way. Um, the person's afraid to pray. I don't know what to say, and they just keep balking. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. I really don't like doing the repeat after me prayer. Um, it's, I'd not say I've not done it, but I don't like it. It's, for me, I, just, I, wanna, I want them to put in their own words asking God to save them. But if they struggle with it, and you can give them an example prayer, or you can do a, you know, all right, well, you can pray it like this. And again, you just keep it simple. Because salvation is simple. You can say, you can pray something, a prayer similar to this. God, I know that I'm a sinner. And God, I know I deserve hell. But I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. 
And God, today I'm asking you to save me. Amen. Hey, listen, some people are going to use different excuses because they're not ready. Some people are going to say, well, I'm just not sure that I'm ready to do this. You don't pressure people into salvation because it's a decision they have to make. You don't want them to pray a prayer they don't mean. That just brings confusion. <laughs> and as excited as we get about someone wanting to be saved, as excited as we get sharing the gospel with someone, and you get to this point, and boy, you're just, you're, I'm telling you, your heart's beating, you're just ecstatic. This is great. And they go, I just, I don't know, I'm just not really ready. It's hard naturally not to go, yes, you are. Don't you understand that you're going to hell? You know, and there's all these things that go through your mind, and you're thinking, no, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. You can't force someone. It has to be a decision they make on their own, a, a choice that they choose to receive the gift. Our job is to explain it. How shall they hear unless somebody tells them? And that's what we're doing is we're, we're sharing with them the gospel. Um, it's one of those things, too, where we've got to uh, um, find a way into the door, right? Sometimes we get to the point where we, a coworker, for instance, a lot of times um, we'll be talking about things that have nothing to do with God. Talking about the weekend, talking about uh, fishing, talking about sports, talking about whatever hobbies you're into, talking about all these other things, and the conversation isn't necessarily centered around God. So you're saying, well, how can I get into a conversation about the gospel with a coworker? My easiest way to do this is you ask them what they did this weekend. And they're going to tell you what they did this weekend. And in most cases, they're going to come back with, what did you do this weekend? Well, if you went to church. <laughs> you know, actually on Sunday, I went to church. A pastor actually was talking about something that's interesting. And I wonder if you don't mind me asking you a question that he asked us in church. Well, what's that? If you were to die today, or if you were to die, you don't need to put in today. Today's a little dark, right? If you were to die, do you know 100% sure that you'd go to heaven? Well, guess what? They have two options, yes or no. And all of a sudden, you're in the conversation. The door's open. You have family members. Family members are a lot easier because you can just ask, point blank. You don't have to have a conversation starter. It's very, very easy to get into the conversation about the gospel. I've told you before, my dad likes to use the, uh, um, the, the gospel tracts. I don't think I have one with me up here today. Uh, but the little gospel tracts, we've got them on the back table back there. And he'll go into a, uh, a co-worker or a gas station or a store, someone that he sees on a regular basis. You know, if you go to the same gas station all the time, you kind of get to know the, the person there behind the counter. And he'll give them a track and he'll ask them to read it. And then you'll come back in a week's time. Say, hey, you remember I gave you that little, little paper? Did you get a chance to read that? And if they say no, he'll give them another one. And if he'll say yes, he'll ask them, what did you think about it? Do you have any questions? And usually in that case, they make up and they try to kind of stumble through something and realize that they didn't read it. And he'll ask, do you still have it? Oh, no, I can't find it. There's another one, right? There's ways to do it. You, you, you don't have to be super creative, but there are ways to do it where you can get the conversation going. The, the tracks that we have, they're just, they're what, three by five, four by six, something like that, um, cards, and it's just a front and back, and on the back it just goes through the verses that we talked about this morning uh, about know that you're a sinner, 
Uh, know that Jesus died for you. Know there's a consequence for sin. All these sorts of things. It's all in there in a very short, compact way. And then you just ask the question. Do you know 100% for sure that you're going to go to heaven when you die? And if the answer is no, hey, do you have five minutes where I can just show you from the Bible? Or where I can show you how you can know for sure? And if you've got the track with you, all the verses are right there. You just go down the list. And if you've got your Bible with you, you open up your Bible and you go through it. It's important to remember it's not your opinion. It's not your gift. It's God's. And listen, no matter who it is, I say it again, God loves them. God's desire is for them to be saved. But it's a decision they have to make on their own. I know I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus died for me. And I know there's a consequence. But I want to receive the gift. The gift of salvation. The gift that God offers. If someone that you're talking to uh, receives the gift in front of you, they pray, they receive the gift, or maybe they go home and they'll call you later and they'll say, hey, guess what? We talked about this earlier today. I decided that I wanted, I wanted that gift. There's a couple things I would like for you to do. I'd encourage you to do. All right? Number one, encourage them to go to church. Invite them to your church, obviously, but encourage them to go to church. Maybe it's someone who lives in a different state. You need to encourage them to go to church. Uh, you can ask me. I, I, the way that I've grown up at camp, I know pastors and churches all across the country, and I know people who know other churches across the country that I don't know about. I can find a good Bible-preaching church pretty much anywhere uh, you have someone at, and in some cases even overseas, especially military bases. Um, there's lots of, of, of ministries on military bases or around military bases. But anyways, encourage them to go to church. And you can say, if you don't mind, I can help you find a good church in your area if they don't live in, in where you live. If they do live in where you live, by all means, hey, come to church with me. I'll feed you lunch. Come to church with me. Because you can't just say go to church and just expect them to, to fall into a good church. Because there's 1,200 churches in Lexington, and not all 1,200 of them are good churches or Bible-teaching churches. And not all of them are bad churches just because they're not our church. I don't know how many churches are in Richmond. I haven't counted that yet. Um, there's a fair amount. Not all of them are good, not all of them are bad. But our church is the best. So you say, come to church with me. By the way, if I didn't think that, I shouldn't be here. <laughs> but uh, come... Come with me. Come to church. Number two, encourage them to read the Bible and encourage them to start in either the book of John or the book of Romans. Because most people, if you say, you need to, hey, you should read your Bible. Get them a Bible, by the way. If they don't have one, get them one. You can get, I mean, you can get very, very affordable Bibles, $5, whatever. You can get a decent Bible, a nice, a relatively nice-looking Bible, feeling Bible for $10, $15. Obviously, you can spend a whole lot more money than that as well. But, Get them a Bible. Then encourage them to read the book of John and the book of Romans. Because most people, if you say, read your Bible, or they think, I need to read my Bible, they're going to get their Bible out, they're going to open up to Genesis chapter 1. Listen, it's not a bad place to start. And they're going to start reading in Genesis. That's fine. It's good. It's the Bible. They need to read that at some point as well. But John and Romans is going to encourage them 
with the salvation, the gift they just received. It's going to kind of pick up where you were already at talking to them about. So that's where I encourage people to start out. We have booklets, John and Romans booklets, where it just has the book of John and the book of Romans in it. And you can take one of those and give them. I need to get them out. We've got, them, we've got plenty of them here at the church where you can take and hand those out. Here, go ahead and read this. I'm going to work on getting you a Bible if they don't already have one. Again, on your phone, everybody's got a Bible. If they want one, it's free. Um, but make sure they have a Bible. Invite them to church. Uh, encourage them to read their Bible. Encourage them to tell other people, hey, you just received this gift. This is good news. Tell somebody. Tell someone. Tell your family. Tell your friends. Tell your coworkers. Anyone who has been saved has the knowledge to share with someone else how they can be saved just the same way they got saved. You get lost and you forget the verses and all that kind of stuff, that's fine. Share with someone how you got saved. Because that's the same way that they get saved. I'm a sinner. I deserve hell. Jesus died for me. I called on him. He saved me. <laughs> it's really that simple. Share it with someone else. Tell someone else. In the end... Number four, encourage them to talk with a pastor about being baptized. Baptism is not a part of salvation. I think we've made that perfectly clear. It's not, you don't get baptized to get saved. You get baptized because you've been saved. And so encourage them. It's a step of obedience. It's what God desires once you've been saved that you're baptized. It's a public proclamation that you've been saved. It's, a, it's an image. It's an illustration of what Jesus Christ did in dying, being buried, and raising again. And encourage them. Listen, that's not, it's not like they've got to do it the next second. Uh, I know people that do that, and that's fine. But it's just one of those things you encourage them. One thing is you encourage them to come to church. You put them in contact with a pastor. The pastor can talk with them about baptism. Those kinds of things. And it's, just, it's helping them get started right. It's helping them now begin to grow, to continue to learn. Because... Once we've been saved, although we've received the gift of salvation and nothing can take that away from you, God has so much more he wants for you. He's, he's telling you there is so much uh, a blessing, there is so much uh, a joy that can come now with being a child of God, being adopted into his family. And if you just get saved and then you never hear another verse again, you'll never experience the joy and the satisfaction and the fulfillment that God can offer you. That's why we are inviting to church. That's why we want them to read the Bible. That's why we want them to tell other people as well. You see, it's a scary thing sometimes, especially when we don't make it habit to share the gospel with people. It becomes a very scary and nerve-wracking thing to do. But the reality is it's the greatest news we have. And Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. We shouldn't be either. Actually, the Bible tells us that in Romans, uh, Romans 1, I think, or maybe it's Romans 10, I forget. Uh, no, it is Romans 10. We looked at it uh, just a second ago. We read it, Romans 10, what is it, 14? Uh, closed my Bible. Romans 10, 14, how then, no, 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 no it's not that one. Um, 11, thank you. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Are you saved today? Do you know 100% for sure that you're going to heaven? If you do, then you shouldn't be ashamed of it. You should tell someone. 
That's what we're supposed to do. Tell other people about the great, great God that you serve, about the God that loved you, that sent his son Jesus to die for you, offered you the gift of salvation. Let them know, hey, he didn't just die for me. He died for you too. We need to tell other people. I would assume, and I could be wrong, I would assume that every single person in this room today knows someone who is not saved. When's the last time you told them how they could be saved? When's the last time you tried to tell them? Some people will turn you down, right? They'll reject you from, from the get-go. You know 100% sure you're going to heaven if you're to die? No. Do you have five minutes where I can tell you about it? No. Um, do you have three minutes? <laughs> no. Right, there are going to be people who are going to reject it. They don't want to hear it. They don't, they're not going to take the time to listen to you. There will be other people who listen to you and still reject it. It's going to happen. How shall they hear without a preacher? They need someone to tell them. And if you know them, who better to tell them than you? If you're standing next to them, who better to tell them than you? Say, well, I don't know that person. Okay, but can they hear you speak? Go ahead and tell them. At least try. Hand them a track. Do something. But they're not going to hear unless you tell them. And that's our responsibility as Christians to do. If we've received the gift, if we've understood that God loves us, if we understood that Christ gave his life for us, and, and we accepted that gift, then we had better tell someone else about it as well. Lord, I pray for your help this morning. God, I pray that you would burden our hearts to be better ministers of the gospel. God, that we would share with other people the great gift that you've offered us.